And I would have gotten away with it, too, if it weren't for you meddling kids. Welcome to another episode of the Unmasked History of Scooby-Doo, the podcast where we delve into the mystery of Scooby-Doo media, getting clues from people who helped bring our favorite mystery-solving dog to life on various platforms, and maybe eating some Scooby snacks along the way. I'm your host, Alexa Lawler. Scooby-Doo, where are you? And it would have been mine if it hadn't been to those meddling kids. Gang, we've just been handed our next mystery. Blasted meddling kids. <laughs> on this week's episode, we have Cheryl Johnson, who worked on Be Cool Scooby-Doo as a background designer for season one and art director for season two. Be Cool Scooby-Doo is one of my personal favorite Scooby series, so I'm really excited for this first Be Cool-centered episode on the podcast. Let's get right into it. Hi, Cheryl. Thanks for coming on the show today. Thanks. Thanks for having me. Of course. If you're up for it, I'd like to start with a quick three-question trivia game. Sure. I'll have you know I'm not the best at trivia, but I'll do my best. Perfect. Um, well, let's start off with an easy one here. Uh, question one, Be Cool Scooby-Doo had how many seasons? Two. That is correct. Question two, how many Scooby-Doo television series have opening themes that don't have words either spoken or sung in them? Oof. Um, I want to say it's not that many. I know we were one of them. Uh, two? That is correct. Oh, cool. Just uh, be cool in Mystery Incorporated. All right. And the last question for the trivia is true or false? The very first Scooby-Doo episode in 1969 was called What a Night for a Night. True. That is correct. Awesome. I'm better at trivia than I thought. <laughs> To kick off the questions, uh, what's your relationship to Scooby-Doo? Did you grow up watching? You know, I wasn't a huge fan of Scooby-Doo as a kid. I feel like Scooby-Doo is one of those things where either you loved it as a kid or you're like, eh, it was kind of boring. And I was definitely in the, eh, I'm not that interested camp. Um, I had friends I grew up with that loved it. Um, and I think if you're into mysteries and horror and that kind of stuff, it's right up your alley. So uh, you know, when I when I joined the Scooby Doo crew, it wasn't something I had I had ever seen myself doing, but uh, it it was uh, fun to be a part of it. That's for sure. And when did you know that you wanted to work in animation? I knew I wanted to work in animation when I was about fifteen years old. It actually happened on a trip to Disneyland. Um, I had always been a drawer and an artist, like ever since I was about three. I'd been doodling and sketching, um, and I didn't. I knew somebody was doing drawings for all the animated movies I had seen, but I didn't know how you got in, into it. Um, so when I was about 15 on a trip to Disneyland, I was in this, uh, this museum-type part of Disneyland. I think it was called Drawn to Animation. And on the walls in there, they had all this concept art and animation cells and, and sketches of characters for various Disney movies. And I saw that, and I thought, see... I knew somebody did that kind of stuff. So from that point on, 
I was determined to figure out a way to get into animation. And what was the path that you took to get there? So I did, um, once I reached college age, I did a couple of community college art classes. I did some research into uh, art and animation schools in California. I grew up in California, so I knew that I wanted to stay here for, for college. And I went to a, uh, a school for CG animation in the uh, San Francisco area for a little bit. Because I thought, you know, maybe I was going to get into the CG side of stuff like Pixar, DreamWorks, that kind of thing. And I did that for about two years. And I realized that I hated the CG technology and the programs. It was really complicated and had a really, really steep learning curve. And I was missing like my artistic roots. Um, so from there, I actually looked up Art Center in uh, Pasadena down here in Southern California. And I saw that they had an animation, or not an animation, illustration major. And through that, you could get um, what was called the, you could enter the entertainment arts track. And through that, uh, that part of illustration, you would do like concept art, character design, stuff that was much more animation specific. So I ended up making the jump from uh, the San Francisco area to LA, um, went to Art Center for a few years and graduated. And within less than six months, I, I ended up at, at Warner Brothers on Scooby-Doo. Awesome. Um, and how did you come to work on Scooby-Doo? Uh, so the way I started working on Scooby-Doo was a very, it was very roundabout. Um, getting jobs in animation tends to be that way, uh, especially at the beginning. It's a lot about who you know. Um, so when I was going to college at Art Center in Pasadena, my neighbor worked at Cartoon Network. Um, I found that out. Uh, got to know her a little bit, showed her my portfolio. She was pretty impressed. She brought me into Cartoon Network, where she introduced me to some, uh, the recruiter and a couple other uh, artists and an art director there. Um, that art director she introduced me to referred me to the Scooby-Doo art director, Be Cool Scooby-Doo's art director, Richard Lee at the time. Um, and then he invited me to come on board to Be Cool Scooby-Doo. A season in to be cool, he left. I took over as art director. Awesome. Yeah. Um, and can you, for those that don't know, can you just describe what an art director is and what they do? So an art director on any production is in charge of a couple things. Mainly we're in charge of the team of artists on the show. The artists include character designers, background designers, background painters, color designers and prop designers. Um, so it's the art director's job to make sure that they, they know what they should be doing each day, um, keeping them on track and making sure they have all the tools and resources needed to get that job done. The art director also works really closely with the production staff on the crew. The production staff are people that are in charge of budgets and schedules and managing assets. Um, so I act as a bridge between the artists and them um, and then the art director also collaborates closely with producers, showrunners, episodic directors to make sure that their vision is uh, achieved through the visual side of each episode and across the entire series. What's your favorite part of being an art director? Um, I think my favorite part 
is my daily interactions with all of my artists. Um, it's really fun to work with incredibly talented people. I'm constantly impressed by the ideas that they bring to the table. Um, when I launch them on assignments, I'll give them a pitch of what I'm thinking it could be. And they typically come back with something that was 10 times better than what I could have ever imagined. So that's really, really fun, that collaborative part of the process. And it's fun to collaborate with directors and producers and showrunners as well um, and see, you know, get their input, see what they're thinking for things. Um, and then I think another really fun thing is when you get to uh, encounter or interact with the uh, voice acting cast. It doesn't happen a lot when you're on the art side of things because you're kind of stuck in, stuck in your office or stuck in your cube doing the, uh, the, the daily art stuff. But occasionally you cross paths with them and that's really fun. And do you have any specific memories or experiences with interacting with the voice cast? Yeah, I do actually. Um, we would, on Be Cool Scooby-Doo, we had to go to a, a, what was it? It was a taping for a, a cup, a kid's like cupcake bake-off show. I can't remember the name of the show. It's kind of odd, but any, any show on TV, especially like animated content, will do like crossover things with other shows. And in this case, uh, for this episode of this cupcake show, they were doing, a, it was a Scooby-Doo theme. So they invited as many of the cast and crew from Be Cool Scooby-Doo to this, this final shoot for this cupcake bake-off. And of course, some of the folks there were the, uh, the voice actors. So Frank Wilker was there who does Scooby and Fred. Uh, Kate Micucci was there who does did Velma and Be Cool Scooby-Doo. And then Gray Griffin was there who was Daphne. Um, and they, of course, they did the voices for the kids. And it was just magic, especially hearing Frank do Scooby. Oh, I mean, you, you just never forget it. It was really, really great. That sounds awesome. Yeah. And was it on the first season that you had worked as a background designer? Yes. Yeah, I started as a background designer. And then after a season of that, I got bumped up to art director. Do you have a favorite background that you had worked on? Oh, there's so many. Because um, the thing about Scooby-Doo, they're in new locations every episode, which makes it a challenge, but also makes it really, really fun as a designer. Um, let's see. I think some of my favorite things that I worked on were uh, uh, the Velma's Mind's Eye sequences, which we did in every single episode where Velma will have a revelation about which direction she thinks uh, the mystery is going and, and will explain clues and stuff she's found, or she'll go into the history of, uh, of a particular thing in the episode, and we would shift the style and have a lot of fun with that. So those were always really fun. Um, let's see, early, early on I did, I think for the third episode of the first season, they go into a... Uh, a chicken-themed cavern that has chicken-themed decor and, like, temple stuff in there, pillars, all that kind of stuff. That was really fun. And what was the atmosphere like working on the show? Um, it, was, uh, it was an interesting experience for sure. Um, the show, like most shows in animation, had its growing pains. Um, there's a saying that every show is, like, a the first season bump or first season growing pains where it has to figure out what it wants to be, you know, how are things going to be structured and, and what's the pipeline going to be like. So that was definitely a hurdle for the whole crew. Um, but once we got past that, things went a little bit smoother. 
Um, but overall, it's, it's, it's an exciting property to be a part of because, like I said, the characters are always in different situations. They're always in new locations. So that comes with a lot of challenges, but it also comes with a lot of creativity. And can you describe a typical day at work for Be Cool, maybe once for a background designer and once for an art director? Uh, a typical day at work for a background designer, um, you go in, you've got a whole list of designs that you need to do for an episode, and that's what you primarily spend your time on. You sit down at the computer, we all work digitally these days, and uh you draw away on a good day. I could probably knock out three backgrounds on Be Cool Scooby-Doo as a background designer. And after that, you would submit them. They would go to the art director to give notes. They would go to the episodic director to give notes. Um, the kinds of things they would be looking for is, does this match the style? Uh, do we have everything we need in this background? For instance, if there's a, a door that opens on one side of the room, do we have that door open and closed? Is there enough room for the characters to move around in and act in? Um, and then after that, it either gets notes and you hit those or it gets approved and you move on to the next one. Uh, an art director, it's much more complicated. There's a lot more moving parts as an art director. Uh, the biggest focus for me each day would be to keep the designs moving. So I would look at all the designs that I had to review each day, uh, characters, props, backgrounds, color, um, give notes or approve things and move them on to the next person in the pipeline. I would check in with the artists daily, see how they're doing, making sure they've got everything they need to hit their deadlines, communicate that information with production staff, meet with directors, uh, showrunner, whoever I needed to, to make sure that they're reviewing designs and that I'm implementing their notes. Uh, yeah, that's, that's pretty much a day, a day in the life of an art director. And so for a background designer, how many backgrounds would you typically need for one episode? So for one episode of Scooby, we were averaging probably, I want to say, anywhere between 60 and 70 backgrounds an episode. Uh, and these are 22 minute episodes. And we designed only key backgrounds here in the States. The rest of the backgrounds were drawn by our animation studios. And in this case, uh, there was two. There was one in Korea and there was one in the Philippines. So we would try to give those studios as much information as we could for each new location that the characters visited throughout an episode. And it would be up to them to do kind of the small hookup backgrounds. Like, for instance, we would do a wide of, of a foyer to a haunted mansion. But if we cut to a shot and we see the floor, we're not going to do that background. We'll let them do that based off of the large key that we gave them. Okay. Um, and so what's a typical timeline for one episode? How long do you have to, you know, get all the designs done and everything? So typically we had two weeks for black and white. So that would be our background designers and our character designers and our prop designer. And then we would have two weeks for color as well. So background painters and our, and our color designer. And usually on Scooby-Doo, episodes didn't overlap. So that meant that they had a dedicated two weeks, each department, the color and black and white departments to get everything done. And it was, it sounds like a lot of time, but, but, Frequently, we were right up against those deadlines. Okay. 
Um, and what were your some of your favorite moments working on the show? I think some of my favorite moments was was definitely my brief interaction with Frank doing the voice of Scooby. I'll never forget that. Um, oh, it's been a while since I've been on the show. So like super, super specific stuff I, I can't remember super well. But I definitely, I thoroughly enjoyed working with our production staff. They're just such a hoot. Um, it's really important for an art director to have a good relationship with the production staff because, like I said, they manage schedule, they manage money. If they're happy, you're happy, vice versa. So I had a great relationship with them and, and enjoyed working with them all the time. Um, let's see. There was, a, there was one uh, potluck we did, and I brought in Scooby Snacks as a treat. So I made these cute little... Uh, dog biscuit shaped or dog bone shaped cookies with the uh, chocolate pudding to dip in. It's very good. Oh, that sounds so good. <laughs> uh, and do you have a favorite episode at all? Favorite episodes? Oh, I love the one in the second season where they go back to ancient Greece. Uh, the whole episode takes place like it's it's in ancient Greece. Uh, that one was really, really fun to work on, and it was fun to watch. Um, let's see. the uh, There's one called, I think it's called Gremlin on a Plane, which was really kind of an oddball one in the first season, but I thought that one was pretty funny. Uh, and uh, for the finale of season two, I, if I'm remembering right, I think it was a two-part long episode where uh, – we learn about uh, uh, Fred's rivalry with, with another character. I think we learn about Fred's past. That really does a deep dive into some of the characters that I hadn't seen in other seasons of Scooby-Doo. That one was really fun, too. And do you have a favorite villain or ghost? Uh, well, I'm very partial to animals. So anytime there was a giant animal chasing them around, I was pretty happy. So there was a, uh, an episode with a, a, a big, scary rabbit. Uh, that was like a, a magician-themed one. That one was great. Uh, the werewolf episode was super fun. They were being chased around by a giant gorilla at a, in a retirement home where Shaggy's grandma was living. Also really fun. And what is it like to work on a show where they're always in a different place and there's so many different themes and storylines going on? Uh, it's complicated. It's a lot to manage and it's a lot to think of every episode. You're constantly on your toes. Uh, in a more typical animated show, you can rely on what's called stock locations or stock props or stock characters, which means you can always kind of go back to those and expand it. With Scooby-Doo, you can't do that. The only place they're going to be in all the time is the mystery machine. Um, so other than that, you're constantly making up new things. You're making up new haunted houses, uh, museums. Uh, I think we went to space in one episode. It's all over the place. Um, so it's, it's a lot to design, but it means that you're, you can constantly be creative and have a lot of fun and, and really uh, push the boundaries of the show. I think each time they, they, they come up with a new version of Scooby-Doo, um, the artists have an opportunity to, to explore even further. Uh, some things that don't change, of course, are like the colors, colors of the, the mystery machine, colors of the characters, the main cast of characters. I think we're always going to have have them there. But the, the backgrounds can change quite a bit because of all the new locations they go to. They just always have to be spooky. 
that's 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 the uh, the number one thing with all the backgrounds. And what are some of the challenges of working on a Scooby Doo show specifically? I think uh, just as you mentioned, it's 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 that it's that they're constantly in new locations. Um, that makes it tough for the design team just because it means there's a lot of work to do. And then I think in terms of of writing, there's been so many Scooby-Doo shows. There's been so many Scooby-Doo episodes. So one of the big challenges is how do you keep it fresh without departing too much from what people know Scooby-Doo to be? Uh, You take it a little bit too far, the internet will come after you. We found, we found that out on Be Cool Scooby-Doo. That's for sure. Cause it's, it's a, it's a, it's a pretty different iteration of Scooby-Doo, especially in terms of the way the characters look. Uh, not everybody on the internet was super happy with, with those decisions, but Hey, you know, we're trying to do new stuff and, uh, explore this beloved property that everybody knows so well. And going off of that, what was it like to help develop a completely new look for Scooby-Doo? Oh, it was fun. It was really, really fun. Uh, it meant that because I was on it so early on, I could put my own creative spin on it. The first art director, Richard Lee, was was really open to that. And uh, so was our showrunner, Zach Moncrief. Uh, everybody was really collaborative in that way. Uh, yeah, it was fun. Really fun. And what was it like to have a lot of people on the internet like coming after the show that you were working on? I, I always find that to be kind of amusing. Um, no matter what show I've been on, I'll usually scour the internet for for youtube comments or or twitter mentions or whatever at least once to see what people are saying good and bad um i I think everybody on the show interprets that a little bit differently at the end of the day you know where people are some people are going to love it some people aren't some people are going to be in the middle uh i found that anybody who actually took the time to watch be cool scooby-doo once they got over the shock of the way the characters looked we're very, very pleased and thought the show was really funny. So, yeah. And yeah, there are a lot of people that refuse to try it because of the art style. What would you maybe say to those people? I would say go back and give it another chance. Go to YouTube, look up like a compilation of the best of moments from Be Cool Scooby-Doo, and I think you would be pleasantly surprised. I think one of the things that Be Cool Scooby-Doo did the best was really flesh out Daphne as a character. She's hilarious. Uh, She's the wild card of the butt. She's always up to crazy antics. It's great. There's a whole episode where she tries to be Fred the entire episode. So how could you not like that? Definitely. Um, And because of a lot of the feedback and everything, the show maybe didn't get to run as long as it should have. Uh, how many seasons would you have liked to have seen the show go on for? I think we had one more solid, solid season under our belt because we were really starting to do some exciting stuff there at the end, um, like expanding who each character is, going into Fred's past, that kind of stuff. So I think if the show would have gone one more season, we could have taken that even further, which would have been really, really fun. Was there any talk of doing another season or did it get uh, canceled while you were still working on the second one? I, you know, I don't know. That's kind of out of my purview as an art director. I do know that we were told we wouldn't get another season about, I think we were maybe two thirds of the way finished with that second season, um, which is about normal for when they'll let you know if you're going to get another season or not. 
uh, in animation. So yeah, it definitely it definitely didn't come at us at the very very end. We, we kind of knew it was coming. Okay. Um, and why do you think that a show about a mystery solving dog has held up for over fifty years now? That's a that's a really great question, and I think so many people wonder this. Um, I think it's because Scooby Doo himself is just such a lovable character. Uh, he was a he's the first like talking dog character we've seen like and he's influenced other characters since like if you look at the uh oh who's the dog and up what's his name is it Doug yeah Doug so if you look at Doug and up like we wouldn't have Doug if we didn't have Scooby-Doo uh it it he's Scooby-Doo is the dog's brain personified it's it's hilarious everybody wants to know what their dog is thinking and I think Scooby was the first first of that kind ever on the screen. Um, and I think another reason that Scooby is so popular is that you can relate to all the different characters because they're all slightly different from each other. So, so Fred's like, he's, he's the, the leader of the group, kind of like a, like a lovable jock type. Velma is of course really, really smart. And Scooby and Shaggy are, are your goofy, cowardly friends. But at the end of the day, when it came down to it, you know they'd always be there. They, they've always got each other's back, and they've got the gang's back. Uh, Daphne, she's, to me, like the least developed character. Um, she's mostly just a pretty girl, seems like. But they also call her, uh, what is it, danger-prone Daphne, I think, in some seasons. Yeah. Yeah, but anyways, like, I, th- I feel like that cast of characters is, uh, is, is relatable to a lot of folks. I think people love the mystery genre too. Um, everybody, everybody loves a good whodunit. Um, yeah, and then of course the voice, the voice acting throughout all of this, the uh, various iterations of Scooby Doo has been awesome too. Um, everybody knows what what you mean when you say jinkies or zoinks or you meddling kids. And what was it like to be able to come work on a project with characters that are that iconic? Um, it was great. Uh, whenever I would go home and visit family, I never had to explain what I was working on because everybody already knows Scooby-Doo. Um, I felt really honored to be able to put my stamp on a property that's so beloved and everybody knows so well. I think that covers all of the questions that I had for you. Is there anything else that you wanted to add at all, Scooby-related or anything else that you're working on? Um, I don't think so. Um, I'd work on Scooby-Doo again. I'm sure it'll come my way again. They'll never, they'll never stop making Scooby-Doo ever. So (laughs) if you were to work on another Scooby project, would you want it to be something out there like Be Cool? Or would you maybe want to try like a more classic iteration? Oh, I'd want it to be out there like Be Cool. I definitely, I definitely would, would rather work on something that looks a little bit different from the uh, classic Scooby-Doo. Definitely. Just before we end, do you have any recent projects that you'd like to promote at all? Uh, sure. Yeah, the one that I'm working on right now just got um, announced. Uh, I'm working on Baby Shark for Nickelodeon. So we'll have our first episode out this Christmas. So you should check it out. It's pretty, pretty adorable. Aww.
Awesome. Um, and do you have any social media channels where people can follow what you're up to at all? Yeah. So if people want to follow me, the best place to find me is my Instagram, which is at cbjart. Perfect. Yeah, I think that covers everything. Thanks so much for coming on the show today, Cheryl. Thank you so much for having me. And that concludes today's episode. Another huge thank you to Cheryl Johnson for taking the time to chat with me. For more groovy content, be sure to check at Unmasked SD on Twitter, at Unmasked SD Podcast on Instagram, or at UnmaskedSDPodcast.com. You can also find the podcast on Facebook under the Unmasked History of Scooby-Doo podcast. If you like this episode and want to hear more, also make sure to check those social media channels or the website. Or you can listen to older episodes wherever you like to get your podcast fix. And if you want to follow Cheryl, you can find her on Instagram at cbjart. Thanks for listening, and keep an ear out for the next episode. Scooby-Dooby-Doo!